Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Greetings, uh, listening audience. It's a joy again to be with you. Yes, and I, I was just sitting here thinking about, Jeff, that we had, uh, last time we were going into shadows. Yeah. And I had taken the people into the concept of Joseph in, in the last days and how that the type of Joseph, he reveals himself to his brethren. And of course, Christ will do that, yeah. uh, back, revealing himself back, back to the Jews again. And you, you were, uh, had some scriptures in your yes. mind relating to the showing us in scripture what God says the reaction will be, what will be happening in those last days, yeah. which isn't shadow, it's right. actually prophetic. Right. And I, I just, if you would, I'd like I would you love to take to. those. Yeah. You, if you look at uh, the life of Joseph, we find that the brethren were mourning. These are the sa very same brethren that wanted him dead and now found out that Joseph was not dead, but very much alive. And in power. And in power, right. and had married a Gentile bride. Right and was standing at the right hand of Pharaoh. Right. As Jesus would stand at the right hand of the Father. So now the very one that they wished dead and would have killed is now standing before them. And the incredible thing is, is that when they finally meet their uh, brother, Joseph, they're weeping because they realize he's alive. They're also mourning. They're weeping for joy because they've grown up some. They've matured. And they realized that what they had did, no doubt they spent many a sleepless night in guilt, wondering what happened to their brother Joseph. But now they're mourning because, and they're afraid because now he's in power and what will he do? Will he kill us? And Joseph says, surprisingly, he says, don't weep. Don't fear for your lives. God allowed all of this to preserve life. Mm -hmm. So God allowed the gospel to be rejected by the Jews. God allowed Jesus to be rejected by the Jews. God allowed it so that he could turn to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. But that Gentile period is just about, saints, mm -hmm. folks, mm -hmm. to wrap up. Mm -hmm. And could we be the generation that would see the return of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, and God reveal himself to his brethren, the Jews, according to the Old Testament shadow of Joseph, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I believe we are that generation. Mm -hmm. And so we find that that shadow was laid out in Joseph, but then it was also prophesied over and over through Scripture about Jesus' reintroduction to the Jews. God, Jesus reintroducing himself to the Jews and their eyes become open. And I'll read you that Scripture right here. It says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Jesus was pierced in his hands and in his feet. Psalms said that David prophesied, they've pierced my hands and my feet. Jesus then said, and according to prophecy, my God, my God, David saying, why hast thou forsaken me? My bones, they stare at me. And so we find that the scriptures of Psalms and David, and we find that here in the book of Zacharias, the scriptures are going to be fulfilled concerning Jesus revealing himself to the brethren, the Jews. And it says here, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They recognized that they were the ones that were instrumental 
in the death of Jesus. In other words, their forefathers killed the Messiah. Now they're overwhelmed by this concept, and the Bible goes on to say, verse 11, In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadaran in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David and Nathan and Levi and all the way down. And, and all of the families and their wives and their sons are going to mourn the reality that they killed the Christ. But look at the first, next verse, next chapter, first verse. But in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David. God's going to forgive them. God's going to welcome them. According to the scripture, there's a remnant of the Jewish people that'll be saved. And it says here, in that day, there shall be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. That fountain will be Jesus Christ reintroducing himself to the Jews. And this time, they receive him. If you'll notice now, we're reading Zechariah chapter 12. And that is referring to the last days when Israel is regathered in its nation and all the other nations begin to come against Israel. Tell me if we're not getting close to that being fulfilled right now in our very day. All the other nations, the League of Nations coming together, the King of the North coming down, all the different nations rising up against Israel. And the Bible says that Israel will do things to, to cause Israel to become the hot potato among all, the UN, the hot potato among this nation and that nation. They become the trembling cup. Why don't you read that in verse 2 and 3 there? All right, it mind. says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Battle, a fight, a war going on. What's going on now? What's been going on since 1948? goes on to say, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. What do we do with these people? A little pin dot on the map, and yet the entire world's economies... The entire world's political and spiritual, everything, religious, everything revolves around that little itty-bitty nation. And what are we going to do with that nation? In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against her. Can you imagine that? And yet it says God will defend her mm -hmm. and watch over her. Yeah, the very last, uh, the very last battle that winds up the whole thing. The scripture says the battle will be so intense that the, the enemy forces, which uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 describes which forces they are. It'll be Russia and a coalition of uh, North African and, uh, well, I might as well say it, Arab nations mm -hmm. that, are going, that are going to come against Israel and they will go take up to half the city. So it's going to look like they're going to absolutely win this time. They're taking Jerusalem. It says, then God with a mighty hand will come and intercede on the behalf of Israel. And Hallelujah. that will wind up the whole thing then. And then uh, right, right at that point, we're moving right on into the millennium, the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ as the son of David. And that's uh, when the Jews receive their Messiah. Correct. During this time yeah. of this great siege, this great battle of Armageddon. Yeah, in Revelations chapter 12, viewing audience, if you, excuse me, chapter 11, Revelations chapter 11, if you were to look in there, you would see that there are two witnesses, mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me, who come to the land of Israel, and there are two prophets, and it gives their works. Uh, one is turning water to blood, and the other one is, is withholding rain, and that's, that's the works that Elijah did and Moses did. So yeah. it'll be two prophets with the spirit of Moses and spirit of Elijah upon them that'll come working signs, wonders, and miracles to, 
to introduce the Messiah to the people as two prophets unveil the mighty powers of God and introduce the uh, Jews to, to Christ the Messiah through, through the power of God. And so it's coming, friends. It's coming. I wouldn't doubt me. It wouldn't surprise me that the, that the two men are raising up over there right now because we are so close to the windup of everything we see. Everything setting in order to fulfill Bible prophecy. And all the world is focusing back on the East. You remember now that uh, the Bible tells us that just as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, that's the way the light of the gospel is going to move from the, from the east to the west. And so the light rose in Israel, and then the Apostle Paul took it as far as Rome, and then we find the next revival was in England. Uh, excuse me, Luther had a revival in Germany, and then the Wesleyan revival started in England and was brought to America. Then the Pentecostal revival started on the west coast of the United States. So we're moving from the east to the west. And if we just follow the map any further west than California, we find we're back east again. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening. The whole focus now is on the east. Great things are going. Why? Because it is the dawning of a new day where the sun is about to rise again. Uh, as a new era uh, starts as God finishes his work of grace among the Gentiles and will turn himself fully to the Jews. That'll be a very short period of time and then, and then the God will call the whole thing to a halt and we'll enter into a millennial reign. Won't go into all the details. Our subject matter has been shadows and uh, that's been now for several sessions that we've been talking about shadows and I we allowed ourselves to drift off because we wanted to fill in some information when we got on the shadow of, of uh, Joseph out of uh, the book of Genesis. And that shadow is being fulfilled, the, book, the, the shadow of Joseph, yes. in that God is about ready to reveal himself Right. To the Jews again. Yeah and, yeah, and our Joseph has already taken his Gentile bride. Yeah. Yeah, we're at the finalization of seven church ages, seven Gentile church ages. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are the, the, it is written to the seven churches of Asia. That's Gentile. So therefore, the addressing of the first part of the book of Revelation, uh, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so it's what Jesus was going to do after he finished his work on Calvary, and it initiates by starting out to the seven churches of Asia, seven Gentile churches of Asia, which their condition was seed or prophetic of ages to come. And as we, and as we overlay the condition of the church from Ephesus through Laodicea, Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3, lay it over history, we find we're in the very last days. The churches don't want to admit that because God has not said anything very good about the church uh, in this age. In fact, we find, we find Jesus Christ standing outside the door knocking to get in. We yeah. referred to that last time as the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ because mm -hmm. God has done mighty signs and wonders through this ministry that we tell you about so often, and that's the ministry of William Branham. Not to exalt William Branham, it's to fulfill scripture. He mm -hmm. came with the spirit of Elijah, just as the, prophet, the scriptures prophesied that he would come, and his ministry was so dynamic, it, it developed into a revealing of the Son of Man, Luke 17, 30. Mm -hmm. And then we find every church organization rejected what God had sent. And so therefore they crucified the effects of the word to the people. Jesus didn't have to be crucified again. He was already crucified once, but Jesus is the word. And that's how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the living word in each age. Amen. I got rambling. Did you want to add well, something? Well, your, your, your thought was uh, referring to Joseph and so on, but I, and I like the seven church age concept because mm -hmm. if you look in the Old Testament, we find there's this man named Enoch. 
Mm -hmm. And Enoch, the Bible says, and it tells us in Genesis, he was the seventh from Adam generationally. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Enoch is unique in that he lived a little while on earth and then God took him. Right. But it says of Enoch that Enoch walked with God and was not, for mm -hmm. God took him. So Enoch had a walk with God, a very special man in the scriptures. We find out that this man was raptured bodily, taken off the earth. God took this man. But the key is, is he was the seventh from Adam. We also find in Jude, he was a prophet and he prophesied about this generation. Mm -hmm. And so Enoch prophesied thousands of years ago about this untoward generation, this slow belly generation, this generation that would be apostate. So why would he prophesy about this generation? Because Enoch's a shadow of the group, the last church age, which is the seventh from Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have Enoch, which was the seventh from the first Adam, and we have this last church age bride, which is the seventh from the second Adam. So we have in our, in our shadows and types, we have a shadow of the rapture. There will be a church that will be changed in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. We which are alive and remain shall not hinder them that are asleep, but we both shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So there's a group that will be in the grave. They'll be resurrected. And then there'll be those that'll be alive and they'll be and, uh, on earth and they'll be raptured. And Enoch is a shadow of that raptured church, that seventh from the second Adam. The second Adam is Jesus Christ. So that's what the Bible calls him in Corinthians. He's the second Adam. But so now we find that Paul is using the first Adam as an Old Testament mm -hmm. uh, a shadow of the real Adam Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So Old and New Testament, the Old Testament shadows are very important. Don't ever throw your Old Testament away. It is, it is laying a shadow or a foundation in there as a blueprint for the reality of those scriptures, just like the law was merely a shadow of good things to come. And the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus could say, what can I do? They said to Jesus to fulfill the law. He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and body and thy neighbor as thyself. This is the fulfilling of the law. But Jesus himself never sinned. He was, he, was, he was born virgin. He was sinless for 33 years, and he became my sin, that I might be the righteousness of God. So that that righteousness that Jesus lived out in his life in fulfilling every aspect of the law, that righteousness is now imputed to the person who will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So it says, of the first Adam, in Adam all die. But in the second Adam, all can live if they'll accept the second Adam. So the Jews rejected him. They're going to get another chance now, very soon. There are people that are listening to me right now. You have a choice to receive or to reject the second Adam. The second Adam was laid out in the Old Testament shadows and fulfilled in the New Testament. Remember in Luke 24, Jesus that says, revealed to the apostles and the disciples that were walking with him on the road to Emmaus, he revealed to them all the scriptures pertaining to himself. And that's all they had was the Old Testament. So Jesus revealed all the, the types and the shadows and the prophecies pertaining to himself in the Old Testament. Then their hearts mm -hmm. burned within them when they saw that Jesus was the literal fulfilling of all those shadows. Mm -hmm. I want have to linger just a little bit when you said, you know, Enoch walked with God and he was not. And he was the seventh from the first Adam. And now here we are, the seventh church age from the last Adam, uh, Jesus Christ. Right. And then when Enoch was taken, 
immediately behind that was the flood of Noah. Beautiful. And so therefore we find that the church is raptured, typesured by Enoch, and then the great tribulation sets in. There you go. And so, so friends, this is where we are. God has sent a message to call a people out from among the Gentiles to prepare them for rapture. God sends his word to accomplish what he wants in each age. There will be a rapture of a church and then the great tribulation will set in. Now, uh, the theologians that are listening to us, some of you are saying, oh no, uh, the church goes through the tribulation, oh no this or oh no that. And what they, fail to, what, what they have failed to realize is the division of the church. Right. Because the, division, the church is typed by, again, shadows again, but now in the New Testament, by the Matthew 25, wise and foolish virgins. And we find the wise went in to the marriage and the foolish were left behind where it said there'd be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And many say, oh, they went to hell. No, no, that's the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, friends, since this subject was opened up with, with Jeff going into Enoch here, the Gentile bride typed by Enoch will go in a rapture. And then, then immediately behind that, the type laid by Noah, which is the great tribulation, destruction on earth. Then that's the tribulation. And then the foolish virgin is left behind to go through the great tribulation. And friends, you don't want to be there. That's, that's going to be one bad time. The scripture says it'll be the worst time that man has ever seen on the face of the earth. That's right. And if you can look back through history and see some of the terrible, destructive times that were through the ages, the great tribulation that's coming is going to be worse than anything you can imagine. And personally, friends, I don't want to be there. No. And so God, had, by His grace, God, there, first there's God sends a message of grace and then judgment to the rejectors. Amen. And so God has sent a message through an end-time prophet. William Branham was the prophet, but the scripture is being fulfilled. And that's what we're pointing to. Not William Branham, but the fulfilled scripture. Amen. And so God is, has fulfilled scripture in that part of that ministry was in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the messenger to the last seventh church age, the one we're in. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God should be finished. Amen. And so consequently, the, there's an opening of the scriptures that is unlike anything in any other age, nor could it have been in any other age because God said to Daniel, said to Peter, these things are to be sealed to the time of the end. So, so they're, they're opened obviously, for uh, an elect people. Correct. If they're sealed, then that means that God has a specific time in which they'll be opened. Correct. And there's an elect people that will receive those truths, just like there were 7,000 that didn't bow the knee to Baal. Mm -hmm. God had preserved them. There's 144,000 that God's going to preserve mm -hmm. in Revelations 12. So God has a bride that had to receive a message and that message being, which was the, 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 un, the, re, the, uh, the restoration of the word that was lost through the dark ages right. and the opening of the seven of the seals. Right. And that revelation is really the manifestation of God's grace through the ages. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about the cherubims before we started this broadcast. We've got the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. Mm -hmm. You talk about grace. Oh, yeah, to, right. Re, do, go a little bit into the, the Old Testament cherubims. I just think that's amazing. Uh, I have, Jeff, I've got so much on that yeah. that I really would like to hold it till the okay. next, next program. Yeah, so you've got a, that much material. Yeah, yeah, Wonderful. because it's, it's a power, powerful subject. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let's go back just a little bit. So yeah. here, here we are at the age when the church is divided into a wise and a foolish. Right. And what was the problem with the foolish? 
Tell me. Well, she didn't have oil in her lamp. Okay, what does oil symbolize? Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. So in the Old Testament, we find all the priests, before they can enter into their priesthood, they had to be anointed with oil. Right. Which means that a minister in the New Testament has to, he has no business being in the pulpit without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right. So he's got to be anointed with oil. And then once that minister has the oil in his life, he now has some kind of anointed word to give out to the people. Yep. And that the minister without the Holy Ghost cannot preach an anointed message no. to deliver to people because life comes through the body. Amen. So consequently, there's a people who are with oil in their lamp and without oil in their lamp. And then, then it says in Matthew Ooh. 25, that says, our oil has gone out, the foolish virgin said. And that's, that's because the Foolish Virgin group it represents denominational systems. Right. And so let's go back to the Lutheran group. When they first initiated, did they have oil in their lamp? Absolutely. Yep. They were anointed to yep. do the work they did in that age. Amen. And then God moved on in the, in the rest, the, uh, historically they call what happened the Reformation. Yep. But we look at it as the restoration in right. that God has been moving, restoring, restoring, restoring what was lost through the Dark Ages. Amen. And then so then God had to send a man with a message to minister to the people the word they needed to develop the faith Amen. to believe what God needed for that age. Beautiful. Okay, now let's, let's go into a natural type. We're talking about types and shadows, natural type. And that is in, an, in a natural type, when a woman is about to give birth to a baby, now just imagine now, think, think with me now, just as a woman is about to give birth to a baby, what's the first thing? Water breaks. What's next? Blood. What's next? Spirit of life enters the child. Now, people often must say, oh, no, the spirit of life was in my baby. I felt it moving. No, that's the baby in the womb is living off the life of mother. That's, that's important. That's all, that matches our types also. So the baby in the womb is living off the life of mother. It has a life, of its, has a life but it's not a life of its own. And then when birth takes place, then often they'll maybe spank the baby or stretch it because they're wanting it to start crying. And with that first, first breath, then comes the spirit of life in, in, into that child. And that's to say may, many Christians are sitting in church and they're living off the life of the yep. church. That's the mother. Yep. They're in the womb and they've got life and they sit in church, hallelujah, glory to God. They feel the anointing, they feel the warped of the yep. presence, but let them get outside of church and they can't live the life. Why? Because they have no life of their own. Mm -hmm. They can be very full of life in church, but then get out and pull a shady deal or cheat on their taxes or some other kind of thing that, that shows the life of Christ is not there. Right. And so, so that, that's, it goes right back to the church. So now, what did it take mm -hmm. to produce the baby? Water, blood, and spirit. So we're washed by the water of the word. We also are first act as a believer. First act as a believer, of course, for yourself is believing, Amen. repenting. But then the first act is water baptism. So there's the beginning of a, of a birth of a child of God, water baptism. Then the scripture says we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's act number two. So the blood then, as, we, as we're feeding on the word, the blood life that's in the word, then begins to do a work in us, cleansing us from the desires to sin. Amen. Maybe I don't want to gamble Amen. anymore. I don't want to lust anymore. I don't want to get into pornographic stuff anymore. The want to is taken out of the inner man. Amen. However, the flesh can still desire those things because the flesh is never born again. But the inner man has a new birth. 
So now we're washed by the water, baptism type also. Amen. And then, then we've got sanctification by the blood. And then comes the Holy Ghost baptism. And that's life into the child. Now, the last three church ages then, the Lutheran, Wesley, and mm -hmm. Pentecostal movements of the last three church ages gave us the ingredients for the birth, water, blood, and spirit. But the ingredients are not the baby. They're only the requirement for the baby. Right. So in one sense, during the church ages, the church has been in the womb. Oh, that may shock you. Mm -hmm. Has been in the womb. And then now there is to be an age where the very life of Christ is to incarnate it into the church. And then the church birthed out of this age with the word that sends to this age Amen. will become an incarnation of Christ. Amen. Not individually, but as a corporate body. And then that's the birth of this baby. And so, so the church of this age, just like Eve gave birth to twins, Cain and Abel, then we find that the church gives birth to twins in this age. And out of the church of this age will come the Antichrist, and out of the church of this age will come the bride of Christ. Amen. And so consequently then, friends, we're at that age and we have to choose what church do I belong to? And it's determined by what you do with the Word of God. Can you believe it? Can you accept it? Can you follow what God is doing in this day? Amen. And remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how is He the same? He is the living Word in each age. And we've been sharing with you what God is doing in this age. And so therefore there came a ministry in this age revealing the Son of Man to show us we're at harvest Hallelujah. time. There is an incarnation of the very Spirit of Christ in this age. And friends, we're trying to bring you a message that will bring you into that position for that very life of Christ. God bless you. Amen. Wanted to show you in our search for light, walking in light, and knowing what truth is, I want to recommend this book to you, which is the Exposition of the Seven Church Ages. And it'll show you inside the, the relative light in each age that we're in. We're over here in this very last age. And so I recommend that you get a hold of this book if you want to know where we are in time and what God's doing. This is it. Friends, today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.